Welcome to another edition of the Grizzden Pod. Um, if we sound low energy, it's because we just watched the Celtics game. Uh, and we're going to unpack that and much more coming up here. Follow us on our social accounts on Instagram at Grizz underscore Den and on Twitter at Grizzden. Uh, go to Grizzden.com for some really awesome t-shirts. Um, support the calls. Um, it'll you won't be disappointed when you go to the store. If anything, just get stock up for next season. Okay. Uh, no, but we're we're glad you're here. Um, Brantley's here. Let's go. Ty's here. Hey. And yeah, that's about right. That's how we feel right now. So guys, we just lost to the Celtics. Uh, never really felt like we Boy, had a chance. Did we? Um, what were just like knee-jerk reactions after the game? But by, by the way, we did not give ourselves time to just like. Um, come down or up emotionally. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we might get to halfway point in this pod and we'll be more chipper, but this is just how it is right now as a Grizz fan. So what were y'all's thoughts? Uh, not good. Um, seems like everyone we're competing with for the eighth spot or the play-in or playoffs uh, is unstoppable at the moment. Um Phoenix won, Spurs won, Portland's playing the Mavs right now, and they're winning, I think, by eight. It's halftime. So teams that we kind of, yeah, we needed some teams to lose or we had to win, and we didn't win, and they didn't lose. So not great. But Ja looked awesome. Uh, Encouraging game from him against a pretty good defensive team, a good defensive player in Marcus Smart. Um, Ja played great. No one else really did. Um, but jotted, and that's pretty much the only bright spot I have at the moment. Yeah, nobody really w- wanted to step up other than Ja, it looked like. I mean, I think when even you just kind of break down minutes played, Ja played 42 minutes. Next was Dylan, our boy, fan of the pod, favorite player of the pod. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell. The fact that you even had to specify. Favorite <laughs> player to hate on? I don't know. Just look at the title of the last podcast. Yeah, it was called Bad Dylan. Go listen to it if you just want to hear people rant on Dylan, including myself. But Ja ended the game with 26 points, um, shooting 53%. Got to the free throw line 15 times, went 11 for 15. Big fan of that because that is significantly – Above his season average on free, th- of free throw attempts. I think he's normally around like four or five um, for the season. But no one else really stepped up in a big way. Brandon Clark um, was next in points, um, you know, posting 15 points. Um, and then you had a couple other people scattered around there. But sloppy and uninspiring. Which is the tone of this? And the talent pod. disparity was very clear. Yeah, they played their guys. Boston is really back. good, and it made us look really bad. So yeah, Jason Tatum was just a one-man wrecking crew, as he usually is. Like it's normal for him, but he was phenomenal. I wonder who the primary defender was on him. I don't know who it could have been, but 
All right, I'm guys. Let's just cut the crap. <laughs> I just this is where I'm at at this point. I would say that early in the bubble, you know, we had a couple bad games um, that could have gone our way pretty easily. So that is what I would cr- classify in the stages of grief as denial. It's just kind of like, yeah, we're better than this. We had two, you know, balls that would have bounced different ways in these two games would have like equal two wins for us. And then we got to that point in the last podcast where I think we were at anger. And obviously, if you listen to the back half of that podcast, we let it out. Um, and now I'm pretty much at the acceptance point. Like, I'm really tired of watching this team, honestly. Like, I uh, said this a little bit earlier during the game, um, but I truly feel it. Like, I would have more fun watching Portland and Phoenix at this point in the play-in game. Like, there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one of which is this team that we're watching is completely not who the Grizzlies are like we're missing you could argue three of our top five players if you consider Jaron uh Justice and Tyus in our top five at least top six or seven um three of our rotation players that are like central to the Grizzlies being successful so that's part of it we're, we're just not playing um the team that got us there and, and also I'm just so sick of watching these rotations, which we can get to. Um, I think one of the points of uh, this podcast that we wanted to hit on was maybe some coaching questions, uh, which we can save for a little bit later. But I just, right now, where I'm at, like, yeah, it sucks that we played the Celtics, who obviously were not interested in resting. Like, they wanted to, for whatever reason, a lot of people had the theory of, like, since the Grizzlies are going to owe the Boston or Boston their you know pick this year, that Boston wanted to make the likelihood of that pick being better um, by playing their guys and beating the Grizzlies. Like I don't think the players necessarily care about that. I think that they were mostly just doing this to not have their guys be rusty in time for the playoffs. Um, that's what it seemed like to me. Like I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they rested everybody the next very next game, but. Um, yeah, that's part of it, but like this team just is not fun to watch. Jaw is fun to watch. This team is not. Yeah, it's almost like some of the uh, minor speculation of what the team was gelling and feeling with Justice and sort of the rotations and the practices before the bubble is on top of the injuries is like a significant thing, meaning – it just has never felt we we just didn't feel like the right this the same team that we were experiencing and having so much fun watching and by the way even in that sort of fun if you will was in the midst of losses um just because of the the way that the team just felt like it was flowing together and it just it just this this Bubble team has kind of felt like an island of misfit toys on the court together. And, I mean, especially when I, like, maybe we'll post this on our social accounts later. I don't know this for sure. But especially post-Jaron's injury, the lineup has primarily consisted of Ja, Dylan. BC, Kyle, and JV. Yep. That has been our primary lineup. And, like, that creativity there to me is uh, getting the majority of the minutes is unacceptable. 
Like, anybody can look at that lineup and know that you can't go up against anyone and win as being your primary rotation. So it just doesn't make sense to me. Nobody stretches the four. You have Brandon who gets his production in the paint. You have JV whose production is in the paint. You have Dylan who can't hit a shot to save his life. And meanwhile, they're letting, like, think of how many backdoor cuts the Celtics got or guys wide open under the basket. It's like guys just looking around. Like, it's just completely uninspired. It's like I, a lot of people were saying going into the bubble, who's going to have the advantage, the younger teams or the more experienced teams? And I think you're seeing the the downside of having a really young team who let their circumstances define their effort. Like they need a guy who, and this is goes back to Brantley, one of the reasons why you really love Jay Crowder when we traded him away was because of that leadership and that he was, no matter what was going on, he was going to be a guy who would get in somebody's face and, you know, whether it was for them doing something poor or to just get the team back up when they're discouraged, you know, you look at his Twitter, he's all caps, you know, all the time. Like that's, that's who he is. He's the boss, man. He's the boss, man. But here's here's a comp that I wanted to make. In his house make. in Miami is pimp, though, by the way. Yeah, geez. If you don't That's follow insane. him on Instagram. Sorry. Here, here's the comp I wanted to make. So who was a team that the Grizzlies were getting compared to a lot before the season started? Before we thought or before we knew what we had? Atlanta? Yes. That's what we're playing like right now. Yeah. You have... Ja on an island, like Trey Young is on the island, just having to do literally everything. You have zero um, efficiency on the wings. Like, you basically, Dylan has been Cam Reddish, who's just like, who is Cam? Like, he's right. not, he's he's supposedly this, this uh, tall three-point shooter, and Dylan is, yes, tall and not a three-point shooter, at least right now. And also, it's just a team that, you can't wait to play because of how many how undisciplined they are on both ends of the floor. And yes, they have exciting players. John Collins and Trey Young are exciting players. I personally hate watching Trey Young, but like they're still kind of exciting. And that's how we're playing. And it's a function, yes, of our roster depletion. Yep. But I also think that a lot of this is preventable and a lot of this is effort. And that's why it's I'm so sick of watching this team. Yeah, I think it's tough too. Uh the Atlanta thing is it's kind of a – I didn't think of that before you said it. When you – yeah, we we were compared to them a lot before the season. Um, so, it's really frustrating because you mentioned we don't have any outside shooting. We also don't have any, like, creators. Jaw's the only guy who can actually, like, put it on the floor and get to the rim or make a play for someone else. Just do something, right? He's the only one that can create anything on offense right now. Um, before he got hurt, Jaron was doing a ton of that on the perimeter, which was super encouraging – like, if you watch that Portland game, he was taking people off the dribble at the top of the key. He was getting to the hoop. He dunked on Nurkic a few times. He was hitting threes. Just like we gave us another creator. Um, Jaws literally all we have right now, offensively. Um, we don't have anyone defensively. Grayson, you see flashes. Yes, but, but he plays his role. Like, he's going to hit exactly. an open three, and that's awesome. Like, we're seeing what it looks like when you have a perimeter shooter next to Jaw. You get wide open looks all game. And Grayson's just been hitting open shots. Like, he hasn't been doing too much. Right. And to, to that credit, like, he's playing his role, which is honestly better than a lot of these other guys are doing because they're trying to play outside of themselves and they can't do it. And maybe it's the depletion, like you said. People are just hurt and people are having to kind of be forced out of their comfort zones. Um, and it's really apparent. If you just go down our, our roster, 
Uh, I mean, Dylan obviously is just – he's just a disaster offensively and defensively. We were kind of talking about that earlier. Against Portland, Dame was beating him, and CJ put him on an island. Like, there's that clip that the Portland beat writer put out or whatever of CJ just taking him off the dribble time and time again. Game number two, he fouls DeRozan with a second left, and that wins them the game. He hasn't done anything well defensively. He can't keep anyone in front of him. Um, and you just, like, look at our rest of our starting lineup. Like, anytime JV dribbles at all, he loses the ball. Like, he's great in the paint, and he's a bruiser, but that's it. And if he tries to do anything outside of that, like, if he tries to play the pick and roll with Josh, it's not going to be good. Kyle Anderson is now forced to be a three-point shooter and play on the perimeter, which he's never been good at. And he did show some flashes, but still, like, in these seeding games, he hasn't done anything. De'Anthony Melton is forced to handle the ball. Can't do it. He's kind of forced into this leading this role. So the only one outside of Ja to me and Jaron, Jaron looked great before he got hurt, um, is Grayson because he's playing his role and he's allowed to kind of play that role. All these other guys are maybe asked to play outside of their roles and they're just not able to do it. I really don't know. Um, we can talk about coaching here in a second. And I, from y'all's kind of the vibe I'm feeling is that y'all are really frustrated with Jenkins. And I kind of get that. But on the other hand, like what other options does he have at this moment? To answer my own question, uh, <laughs> Josh Jackson has yet to get off the bench. And I'm not saying he should. I don't know. But to me, I would – I guess they – like we were talking about before the pod, they've already made up their mind. He's gone. He's not coming back. And I don't even know if that's a terrible decision. Like, that's that's fine. But to end it so early and just to never play him a minute in these seeding games is really interesting. Um, Conchar really hasn't seen the, seen the court. And, like, again – I don't really know what to expect out of him, but at least throw him out there. And I don't know. So it's just kind of starting Anthony or, yeah, Tolliver um, at the same time. Like, at least it gives us a little bit of shooting. But unless he's wide open, catch-and-shoot guy, he offers nothing. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, Will. I'm just kind of ready to send it. Like, this just – we need to wrap it up. We're so depleted. Ja is just doing all he possibly can, which is super encouraging. And another point I wanted to make about – you said we don't have a guy that, like you were talking about, uh, Jay, kind of rallying the troops. Maybe this is silver linings forced Ja into that role. We did hear him screaming at Gorgie during the game, telling him what to do, and Gorgie was just lumbering around. But maybe this has kind of forced Ja's hand, because everyone knows he's the leader. Um, so maybe this is giving him really good, not only like reps against like all defenses or just focused on him primarily, but also a leadership role too. Cause if he's going to be the, the star or the guy moving forward, it's good that he's getting these reps now in a leadership perspective as well as on the court, but it just sucks. It all sucks. So how do we turn this into a support group type discussion as opposed to just like, <laughs> I think the one thing you can mention is that we are injured and before even Jaron's injury, Portland like had to go to the wire and Dame and CJ both had to go off to beat us. And we still should have won the game. Melo made two huge threes. San Antonio, when we had Jaron, Dylan made an idiotic foul. Like, so we were in the games before Jaron's injury. That is, I guess, kind of a, a bright spot. You go ahead. I think um so let's maybe before the before the pod started, we were gonna sort of as we've rambled, we were talking about how do we maybe just just take a step back and be like, Man, what how how have we gotten here? And maybe make a couple comments on each one of those things. Before we do that, 
I just want to list off, turn some of the potential negatives into positives really quickly, just to remind everyone. So we, one of the positives to me is just a clear, um, uh, role player in Tyus that has a tremendous, more of an impact than I think that we ever really let on to. Grizzlies fans are going to very much appreciate Tyus Jones next season. Yeah. I mean, like we've always needed a true backup point guard. We've had one, we have him locked in for the next three years. You're really just seeing, I think what his impact was on the court, how he like alleviated minutes with jaw and, and jaw has been carrying his own weight, but he needs, he needs breaks during the game. Like any human would. And I think that's that's like one positive. So let's you know he's injured, and we're we're recognizing that. I think another one is that, which is closely related, and I'm not saying this is the only reason why this player has played bad, but one of the reasons why we were so dang good is because we were getting quality performance from DeAnthony Melton, who has been top three most disappointing players on the Grizzlies in the middle of the bubble to me. Maybe easily. top two. It, easily. Unbelievably disappointing. So I'm going to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt and say that some of it is related to just kind of like the flow that he was having coming off the bench with a true point guard and kind of our rotation just getting jacked up. Um, and the third is that just, you know, those, those first two games where we – particularly against, the, against Portland and San Antonio and really just talking about Portland – where we, I think, looking back, maybe had more swagger than we've had in any of the games that we've played in, is that the reason why we had that swagger and we were able to do that is because we have a we have a true one two slash two three of a of a type of three headed monster needed, I think, to build on the future between John ja and Jaron, and Jaron was able to help be that kind of supporting role offensively and defensively to to carry us against a team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. So um and he's injured. So I just I'd, Can I add one more to your list of positives? Please. I I would say this, if we're looking back on this time in the bubble in 8 months, I think one of the things we're going to say is like look at all these circumstances like it wasn't meant to be given all of our injuries and I think in that sense it's going to be really easy to forget the bubble and start new. Like some teams are like getting things exposed about them in this like sort of mix between the regular season and playoffs that you know Grizzlies have a disappointment in an investment in Dylan Brooks and that has been exposed yes however their core is intact their core can work and I think that losing Jaron and losing some of these key role guys have shown that and so I think in that sense you go out of the bubble and go into next season, not like with those lingering questions. I think you just shut the door after this, and it's really going to be easy to do that, I think. So I think that leads us into how did we get here? You're making the case for one of the number one reasons for why we are where we are is that let's, let's maybe remove the player, but we are getting no product. We are getting very little production, if any, from the wings, other than Grayson Allen. I came up with a nickname, Dilzaster. What do you think? <laughs> it's been a disaster. At the two. Do you spell that with a Z? <laughs> Have to. Uh yeah, for sure. Uh yeah, I agree. There's zero production from the wings. 
you have Kyle Anderson, who we, uh, ironically enough, our two and the three who have been starting are the last two remnants of Chris Wallace, which we said. And I don't think that that, I mean, you could actually make an argument now that they've invested in Dylan with a new contract, so maybe it really is only Kyle, who's like the leftover one. Right. Uh, but he obviously doesn't fit. Yeah. And despite his game against the Heat. And y'all, you're talking about on the wing, you could argue that before Jaron got hurt, he was our best wing player. And he was playing five a lot of the time. And in today's league, you have to have perimeter players. You have to. And we just really don't have it. So. And and Grayson is he would if I was going to append to my positive list, he is a he is another positive. Sure. Um we've said it, yeah. And for sure. and so like he has had a different injection of confidence in the bubble that has been a delight to see. But if you're depend if we are depending on Grayson long term for more than like a sixth or seventh type player, then we're not building our totally. team correctly. If he's a starter on your team, you are a bad team. Yeah. It's also funny though because he his game is a lot more um slashing and he's athletic. Like Yeah. The white guy sneaky athletic descriptor. Yeah. Uh but he like is <laughs> his primary skill isn't three point shooting, but it's great to see that that's an asset moving forward with him that we can but he's not going to be your spot up guy like I think people need to realize that like he's shot it really well but it's going to regress and he's going to have to rely on some of his more playmaking attributes which are still good like but at least we know he can do it yeah but I think we talked about this last pod too as an eighth man that's he's he's solid exactly but we also talked about this before when he's closing games for you it just it's tough I mean he's he's played really well for sure um but I think we're asking him to do too much. And I think we're for, that's forced. Yeah, we've, our hand has been forced due to injury and just terrible play by people that we've depended on throughout the year that have just been zeros in the bubble. And, like, I don't know his shot chart from tonight necessarily, speaking of Grayson, but, like, this is just kind of going into the wing play conversation. I mean, like – for the most part, the game they got the Celtics got up, but we made a run towards the end of the second half. Um, had a stupid foul uh, at the end of the first half. So did I say who second made, half, who, first half? Foul was our boy, that? our boy DB, Dillzaster. What a Dillzaster! <laughs> Maybe like we could make like a shirt with him, um, yes. with like a pickle on it, <laughs> and Dylan's face and call it like a Dillzaster. We'll get our friends on Ground City Designs to do that. Um, where was I headed with this? Oh. Okay, so no production from the wing. Tonight, like, Grayson has had a great bubble, but he was two from nine from the three-point line. And, like, I don't remember many of his shots and thinking, like, that was a bad attempt. Exactly. He's playing in the flow of the offense. He's playing in the flow of the offense, but not hitting them. Tonight he didn't. Tonight he didn't. Which you can live with. It's it's hard to go five of seven every night. But can't you live with that? Absolutely. I can. I can. However... We have to have a team to where you can find the guy that can hit. Yeah, for sure. Long term. Is that guy on the team? But not just hit, too, but all, like going back to what I was saying earlier, also create. You don't have anyone yeah, yeah, else yeah. that can create anything. Like no one's taking it to the rack, getting a foul drawn. No one's like making a play for other people. It's just, it's just not happening. Well, it's funny just because you watch the Celtics and they have just four elite 
creators, which of course they're paying them thirty million dollars. Totally, piece. we're not there yet. But like, we're not there yet. But we're not talking about now either. We're kind of right. what we had mentioned earlier. Like, what can we take away from this? And that's one thing that yes, perimeter. Agreed. We need a lot of help, and we yep. need upgrades. And yeah, that that's obvious. Everyone that watches the Grizz knows that. Yeah, no one thinks that we are set on the wing right now. But another big thing is a part of that. In my opinion, we've. May disagree. I thought Justice would. He was my. That's what I was most looking forward to yeah. watching in the bubble was him play, and he hasn't been able to play, and it's devastating. Um, and I, he's not a scorer either, right? He's not a guy that can just drill. For, I mean, he did shoot thirty eight percent from three, which is really impressive. Is on low volume, but he can still like create, get to the basket, play make. Like that's what he was really good at at Miami. So I don't know. It was. It's it's just really tough on the perimeter. It's just really tough. Can we move into maybe – so that was lack of wing play consistently um, in the bubble. My next one that I sort of want to re- rebuttal against to, to tie what he was sort of setting up earlier is that I've just been ultimately disappointed in the way that the coaching staff have handled the rotations post-Jaron injury. Okay? Yep. So I totally understand before Jaron injury – which is also after Tyus and Justice injury, okay, trying to keep the rotations relatively resembling what we were doing in the regular season post-trade, okay? So, like, I know it's not perfect because we also traded Jay and Solo. And, like, I mean, honestly, like, let's just – this is a completely different basketball team in the bubble who – I mean, how many games did they play together after the trade deadline? Like – Ten not many. Max. Not many, right? Okay, so new team, new players, all that kind of stuff. However, and and I get that we didn't have quote unquote many options. Maybe let's just like assume that Josh Jackson's not even on the team because he didn't play at all. I still just think that there could have been a different there could be there could have been a more of a creative issue that was solved. Like after seeing like two games with Dylan sucking like he's had, like Maybe try bringing him off the bench and starting a great starting Grayson, letting like give Dylan the freedom to be your shot make your shot creator within second units. Um, that just is one solution. Maybe start Gorgie and let Dylan and JV come off the bench because it maybe gives you a little bit more spacing. Gorgie hasn't been great, so like I know that that's a stupid solution. Um, but if you're starting Gorgie BC. Uh, Grace and Colin Jaw. That's a little interesting. Bring DB Dylan uh, or DeAnthony and JV off the bench just to like try something different. I don't know. It just wasn't working. There was no optimization, in my opinion. I think just inserting Tolliver as like one little wrinkle was not enough for me. And I'm just disappointed in it because what did you have to lose? Nothing. You've we haven't won a game. Uh, and we were just really struggling. So I just would have loved to have seen something fresh and just trying something out just f- to see if it could have re-energized some players and just help us find a different groove. Yeah, two things on that. The first one, you mentioned Tolliver. It's funny, though, because the one time he did insert Tolliver into the starting lineup, we beat OKC. So it's like he it was... Fu- tonight, too. Oh, sorry. The first time, I mean. Like, right. he did that. He made the change. It made more sense because Tolliver could actually quote-unquote stretch the floor and right. you know like ty said when he's wide open but it actually did make sort of a difference and yeah like it wasn't great like it wasn't enough 
for what was going wrong because that to me was like anybody could have told you that BC and JV can't play together. Like that's, but like it's to me the main issue here, and it keeps going back to this player, but you cannot to me positively reinforce the way that Dylan Brooks was playing by continuing to play in the same amount of minutes. Like where is the really good teams are disciplined and people don't build discipline unless they are disciplined <laughs> for lack of a better term. Like you just what can't, a quote. I know to be disciplined. <laughs> you have to be disciplined. Like, sorry, that's what you go and play for the freaking Spurs. It doesn't matter who you are top to bottom. If you're playing like ass, you're going to get pulled. So like, Seriously, what does that say to Dylan Brooks? It says, I can continue to do the same exact thing, and that is not going to affect one thing about my playing time. And that's ridiculous. That's the one thing, like, that is the one, like, power play that coaches have over their players these days is the playing time. Like, everything else is in the player's favor, for better or worse. But, like, you're, it's ridiculous. Like, Jenkins, I don't care. Bring Conchar off the bench, unironically. Like, I really think, and I've said this multiple times as we've been sitting here watching these games together, like, he would actually run your offense. He knows where to go. Like, he know, he would he would not take dumb shots. If anything, he would defer in the final seconds to the guys that we know that can make shots. Like, it doesn't matter if he's not, like, an NBA caliber starting wing. Like, just do, like, you don't have to start him even. Just, like, bring him in. Like, get creative. Like Brantley said, we have absolutely nothing to lose at this point. It's ridiculous. Can I mention one more positive really quickly, and then I'm going to respond to you <laughs> just as a side Shift tangent? Gears, baby. We're watching, we're watching the Mavs uh, and the Blazers right now, and there's a big grid up on the screen race for playoff for the eighth seed, and we're right now in the middle of a four-game tie because four – Four-team tie. Yeah, yeah four-team four tie, yeah. Because Portland's in the middle of their game, and depending on if they win or lose, they'll be there a half game up or half game down. Thanks, John Hollinger, for the data. Uh, but the Pelicans aren't up on the screen. That's true. Suck it, Pelicans. We needed something positive. Man, suck it, the Pelicans, Zion. They suck. They dude. suck. <laughs> suck it, Pels. It's okay. funny because it turns out that like we were. They were getting hyped up so much, and literally every other team is playing amazing <laughs> except for the Kings. Like every other team is a huge threat to the Grizzlies. Shows how much we know. I uh, I wouldn't say we. We knew that, but yeah. I'm saying the media. I'm trying to remember what I was gonna say to your response Negative. on your on your Taylor Jenkins. Uh, oh, okay. So on Sunday when I was driving back from uh, driving to Memphis, I was listening um, to the broadcast on the radio show. And um, I was I was not texting and driving, so I was not able, Will and Ty, to, to really chat with you guys who were ranting on Dylan for having another incredible first half. But but Elliot Perry on 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 the broadcast multiple times was just like when you're when you're in this type of performance, and I'm paraphrasing, was just like if the player. He was not calling out Taylor Jenkins specifically, but he was hinting at it. It's like if the player continues to play in this way where he's taking shots out of rhythm, out of the offense, it's time to make a change for an entire game. And I just like it it, it the game on Sunday was too late. The game before is the game that it should have happened. 
And I'm sorry. It's like, the, which is what who, I'm trying to remember the order of the cadence of when we had our, our podcast. And then there was one more game, I think, before Sunday, the Thunder. And Dylan had another game against the Thunder. We, we still won because Thunder didn't have Steven Adams. In my mind, I know we won, but I'm not putting a whole lot of cadence uh, like that they game to me. They were taking horrible shots. Yeah. We had no, like, they contributed to that. Yes. Game. It was not. Did not feel that game did not feel like a win to me. It just felt like we were the worser or the better of two terrible teams in that scenario. But I just I feel like it maybe could have done well for Dylan to sit that game against the Thunder, have him take a break, take a step back, and and maybe come out on Sunday a little bit differently. And I'm just really frustrated it didn't happen. I think it could have been a good coaching moment, a good leadership moment. And I just think it's bad. I think it's gonna. I think it could have paid dividends for the future for Dylan for his career. And I'm just frustrated it didn't happen. I want to agree with both of you so bad, but I almost disagree. And in the OKC game, Dylan led us in points with 22 points and went 10 of 18 from the field and two for four from three. Played 26 minutes, which I think is the least amount he's played in the bubble. For us to have any chance, I think I've said this before too, with our current roster construction, with the injuries that we have, even though we are just dogging on perimeter scoring because Dylan has been awful. But with that said, as much as this pains me to say it, for us to have a shot at winning these games, Dylan has to play, but he has to be good, but we still have to play him. He at least gives us a chance if he is having a good game, there's always a chance that Dylan could come out and have a good game like he did against OKC. I know they sat Steven Adams, and again, they shot horribly from three. They started out really well, but ended up going 13 of 43 from three. The Thunder did, which is real tough. Um, and like Dylan's not the only reason we won that game by any means, and he's obviously not the only reason we're losing these games. So to even go against my point, I agree 100% with y'all that Jenkins has to have some form of a leash on Dylan, and right now that leash doesn't exist. He lets Dylan do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, and there's he doesn't reprimand or challenge him even at all. Um, he just doesn't do it. Dylan just has the free range to do whatever he wants to do. And again, I'm not saying Dylan is the only reason we're losing a lot of these games, but he is hurting us tremendously on offense. There are times when he is shooting us out of games. When we are making runs, he shoots some terrible pull-up 20-footer that has no prayer with like 16 seconds left on the shot clock. I get all of the I, – I get it 100%, and I dislike Dylan. I dislike his game a ton. But to defend Jenkins a little bit, to me, and you all obviously disagree, I just really don't see another way for us to have a chance to win these games – unless we play Dylan, even though like he has to have a good game for us to win, but we have to take that chance again, not play him 40 minutes a night, not let him do whatever he wants to do. So I agree with you hundred percent on that point. But to me, the, the difficult side to admit is that he has to play. Can I, I think can obviously I, y'all disagree. I'll, just to, I agree with the larger point that you're making, but I, one counter I would just have is I think that there comes a point where uh, whether it gives you a better chance to win or not, you have to have you have to take a stand on what you're going to allow on your team. Oh, I agree with you. So, like, even I if that means you. I this 
this does lower our odds of winning this game. You have to take that sacrifice to me as a coach. And the, hopefully there's alignment with, you know, like everybody else that like you have to make an example of this is not okay. And this is going to be what happens if you don't like play in our system and play smart. And like, yeah, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody takes terrible shots at times, but the consistency with which it's happening to me warrants a dramatic um, move that would potentially lower your chance of winning. Like in the OKC game, he happened to have a good game, but <laughs> if he were to have the same type of game, like, I don't know. I just, I just think it could have gone either way and that it could have been worth the chance, You're, especially in this bubble scenario where I think we would all agree that the Grizzlies team, the fact that we're even having this conversation, that they're even frustrated about this means that they're ahead of schedule, means that they've exceeded all expectations, that they're in a spot that nobody expected them to be in, which is great. And so I think you put, you're playing with house money, and I think that it's an important time because like, the, these are the formative years. This is what like we think that Dylan has already just developed these terrible habits because of where he's been the past two years. And yeah. three years, three, you know, two, one of them he was injured, but like, that would be my only counter, but to your larger point, like I do agree. Like, and I hate we to needed say it. Dylan. We, it sucks. we needed him, which is why it's so frustrating because he too. just hasn't delivered at all. Yeah, and we've I don't know if we talked about this last time, but he's literally had one good month his entire career. And we I sent y'all the longest text I've ever sent in my life <laughs> last week because I looked up every month of his. We'll post screenshots month by month of his stats. And his January of this past year was the biggest outlier. Like, it's just insane how nothing else lines up. Um, yep. And we gave him a contract after that. But it's just, yeah, it's really no, tough. But I appreciate your points that you're making because it is it is important to consider all angles of this. Yeah, it, it sucks because um, he's, he's been really bad, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It feels a little hopeless, to be honest. Like... Yeah, I, I don't know. Are you guys like, are you still holding on to some, any excitement at all about whether, like, let's just say the Mavs are to beat Portland tonight and let's say the Grizzlies have a chance to be in the play-in if we beat the Bucks. Like, at this point, are you cheering for the Grizzlies to win and be in a play-in? Yeah, I am, 100%. Because it, yeah. I'm, I know it's frustrating, but... I mainly just am doing it because I I feel like Jaw Jaw deserves it. He's the only one I'm rooting for to get there because he's led this team to where we are. He's rookie of the year. I want I would love for him to be like rookie of the year, led his team to you know quasi playoff contention slash birth thing, however they want to call it, based on being maybe in the playing game or not. Um, and that's that's really my main motivation for it. Um, yeah, I think so too. I agree with Brantley on that one. It would it'd be fun for Ja to have that uh, lead us to the playoffs. And it would be awesome if, like, we made the playoffs this year. It won't get talked about. It'll get talked about more. We kind of already brought up New Orleans. But it will get talked about more how they did it versus us actually doing it. Um, but I would still love to have that over them and all the other teams that we're competing with. Like, all of a sudden, everyone thinks Phoenix is going to go – win 65 games next season and I don't know they've had a really good run here because they're shooting lights out and everyone's benching their players when they play them no one is doing that for us 
Toronto played everybody. Tonight, Boston played everybody. Everybody's playing everybody, and it's a bummer, and I hate it. I think I'm out, and it's mainly because I hate the habits that are forming. I just hate them. I hate watching this team continue to do the same thing every game, and it's on Jenkins, and it's on Dylan, and it's on down the line. Like I just hate the... Um, I want this to end as fast as possible, personally, just because I'm ready to. I'm ready for Jaron to be back. I'm ready for Justice to be back, and I don't want us to play this style of basketball any more than we have to. So you're just know. pumped to have Levine on the roster next year. <laughs> is all I'm hearing. Preview. <laughs> That's a little spoiler alert for a later pod that we're going to get into after the season. But maybe ends. these eight, maybe this stretch is really teaching us something. You know, you have to hope so. Even I mean, that includes the coaching staff. Hopefully so. Um, they're, 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 this is the first time Jenkins has ever coached a, been a head coach of a team as well. Uh, maybe he's learning a lot too. True. So this people love to talk about like taking their lumps. Yeah, we may not make the playoffs, but this is definitely a form of that to me. Like this is very playoff atmospheric, and we're getting our tails handed to us. Um, and maybe that's a good thing because Ja like has shown effort. He looks dead tired sometimes, especially in the fourth quarter, like he can barely move. But tonight, like he gave everything he had, played over forty minutes, had twenty six and thirteen, I believe. Like played his tail off. Um, so there, I guess there are some encouraging things. And like one of our f- first discussions we ever had was about Dylan. If you want to listen back to the pod, sometime in December, I don't know. But we brought up Dylan Brooks and the, the question. We had Memphis Claw, which long lived that segment. Wait, Bluff City Claw. Bluff City Claw. <laughs> Sorry. After Bluff City Law, the best television show. I don't show know if it got renewed. In the world. It didn't. So it's over. We had to get re- retire well, that segment. That was, that, was a, that was a pretty good segment, though. We even had a, fake, a great name. fake gavel and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, I still have it on the computer. But we talked about how what is he moving Can forward. I'm definitely editing yeah. it in. Yeah, you right have to. Here. <laughs> We talked about him and what he looks like moving forward. And what we thought then, like, stands true today. We are who they thought they were, as they say. Like, we know that he's not a long-term starter on this team. And if anything, this has been confirmed. Um, Which at least now we know. And we can trade him for Zach Levine in a few months. It's going to be awesome. Straight up, because they would totally take that. (laughs) Ties on Levine Island, if you haven't realized. And we can't, can't wait, wait to, to discuss it. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so much fun. Ty is Anthony Sane, in case you didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> I love Levine. I don't, but I do now. Anthony Smith, in a way. Uh, all right. Anything else from any from you guys? Any any other? No, and honestly, we're probably going to beat Milwaukee because they're going to sit everyone and – Hopefully we just play Portland. They get the eight seed. We play the nine. We play a play-in game. It's really fun. They beat us, and then we kind of lick our wounds in the offseason and come back really hungry. That's my hope, is that we come back super pissed next season. Yeah, I just want to see see some good closure on the season for Ja because he deserves it. And at the same time, I think your points on motivation, like he's going to stay hungry, but I think now he even knows how hungry he needs to be based on seeing this competition level because I don't, I don't know. I don't think that this is I haven't really thought this through. So, but I'm still going to say it. It's been a relatively easy, easy season for jaw. Meaning like 
guy stepped in and is immediately sort of transcendent on the transcendent or just like immediately has an impact on our team and makes it look really easy. Third game, he's blocking, you know, Kyrie setting up an assist for a game winner, like doing stuff that you didn't think a point guard or you didn't think he would do a rookie point guard guard would do. So, you know, I, I know that he's going to have a chip on his shoulder regardless because that's who he is. But I sort of, if, if he had to struggle if the, in leading a team, this would be the time that I would want it to happen totally. later. So that's another positive. I think we have like seven or eight of them. Let's end on a positive <laughs> note. And the Pelicans didn't make it. I hate the Pelicans. Who, who goes to Smoothie King? What's a smooth? Who's $5 the Smoothie Fridays. King? They're pretty good. Ah, Pelicans are the pits. They even use real fruit there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Looking right. at Zion, no. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're going to drop the mic. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in to another edition of the Grizzden Pod. Uh, moving forward, the next time you'll hear us, we'll probably be um, starting our um, quote-unquote exit interviews for the season. Maybe a, do a post-mortem next time we talk. Um, or we're going to be uh, in a matchup with the Lakers uh, ready for the first round, which will be fun. We'll do a little playoff preview. Let's hope. It'll be fun. But anyway, thanks for joining us. We will uh, see you guys next time.